0: Hey, everybody, if you open up in your Bibles to Psalm 46, we're going to be looking at this psalm this morning. It's right in the middle of your Bible, if you have a Bible. Trouble, as we know, can breed uncertainty. Uncertainty can breed fear. Fear can breed frustration, and frustration breeds hopelessness, Fear has this power to ripple through people. It's much more infectious than the coronavirus. It can ripple through societies. It can ripple through families. It can ri- ripple through whole nations. And when fear infects your perspective, it stalks everything you do, like pray. It dominates your horizons. It saps your power. Fear paints with colors of doom. Fear dissolves all your tomorrows and amplifies all your dreads. Most seriously, in times like this that are uncertain, fear can erase your sense of God's presence. And that's what we want to remedy this morning. That's what we want to speak to this morning. What I want to remedy is is your sense of God being far away. Now, I don't know what you're feeling, not specifically. I don't know what you're feeling, but I do want to speak directly to your sense of God and his nearness. I want to describe my goal for our time this morning like this. I want to roll back the power of fear. And I propose to do this not because I can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, because I can't. I want to roll back the power of fear, not because I can say, hey, everything is going to work out okay," or that the economy is going to bounce back. Or that no one you love will be infected. Or you will not have to be hospitalized. I can't say that. I can't tell you that your retirement account will get back to where it was. But I propose to roll back the power of fear, not with distractions, possibilities, or positivity, but with the truth of Psalm 46. And here's the idea from Psalm 46. Almighty God is both with us and with us. For us, Almighty God is both with us and for us. You see, the message this morning is don't be afraid. It's not just don't be afraid. A bare command like that doesn't do any good. We must have reason to not be afraid. We must have reason to be able to look out at our society and see everybody becoming scared and say, why do I, as one, why do I, as one of the a member of society, need not be afraid? It's because God is with me and for me. This is the reason that we don't have to fear. Almighty God is both with you and for you. And we see this in Psalm 46. Follow along in your Bible as I read. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Join me as I pray. Lord, I would much rather, as you know, be gathered together with Center Church this morning. I would much rather be together singing and opening your word I'd much rather be looking out and seeing not a, an unblinking camera lens, but your people. And so, Lord, I don't get to do that this morning, but I pray that in some small way, uh, Psalm 46, as I unfold it and try to explain it this morning, would impact and affect all of us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be people who are not afraid, not just because we're we're blind to surroundings, but because we have God who is with us and for us, because we understand that. Jesus, help me here now to be able to preach you with power and Holy Spirit be active amongst amongst us all as we look into your word. And in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Almighty God is both with us and for us, that's the idea. Now Psalm 46 presents two worst case scenarios. A scenario of both cosmic upheaval and national upheaval. We see see natural upheaval and national upheaval. Almighty God is with us and for us in the throes of natural upheaval. That's the first point. Almighty God is with us and for us in the throes of natural upheaval. Now notice the beginning point in Psalm 46. Verse 1 says, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, verse 2, we will not fear. Notice the connection. God is this, therefore we will not fear. And then David gives us some uncreation happening all over the created order. The psalm describes the dissolution of creation. The Almighty God who set the mountains in their place and the water in its place on the third day of creation. We read, we read on the third day of creation, God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And he saw that it was good. In this scenario, in Psalm 46, that scenario from the third day of creation is undone. We need not fear, the psalmist says in verse two. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though mountains tremble at its swelling. Psalm 46 describes the undoing of creation. In Psalm 46, the waters are no longer gathered into one place like Genesis chapter one talked about. The seas roar and foam and the created natural separation between the earth and the sea is obliterated the angry seas they swallow up and not not just the coastlands but the mountains themselves and we're meant to read this and hear the echo of genesis chapter 1 and say and mankind saw this and it was bad mountains are the most immovable and unchangeable features that our nature has to offer forests come and go they burn at times They grow and they die. Deserts swallow up grasslands, but mountains remain largely the same. Mountains with their immeasurable tons of granite standing the same year after year after year, decade after decade, century upon century, millennia upon millennia. Mountains do not move. Mountains do not change. But yet in Psalm 46... We see the seas burst beyond their God-given boundaries and uproot the mountains from their God-given place and splash into the sea. And yet, even if that happens, which we have never seen, David says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even if the created order Melts away. Do you see what this means? In the face of the worst possible natural disaster, in that God is still our refuge and strength and a very present help in those times of trouble. You see, He imagines what the worst kind of trouble could be in the natural realm and says, even there, at that moment, God is our refuge and our strength. He helps us in the midst of trouble. Notice the text says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, in the middle of trouble. There are times that we will be miraculously delivered from trouble. There are times where Jesus commands the storms to be still, and they are still. But more often than not, the help that comes, comes in the form, in the middle of trouble. The help we get is not from trouble, but through trouble. And this is what we see. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We're not delivered from trouble. We're We're given one in whom we can go to as a refuge and a strength in the midst of trouble. God is a very present help in trouble. That means that he is right there leaning in to help. He leans to be our refuge in trouble. When we are under attack, He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He promises that the power of evil cannot overcome His people. He promises to be our strength in times of trouble. He does not merely strengthen us. He gives himself, His strength to us. He gives us strength for living. Now this matters as we think about our response to all this societal uncertainty. God is not merely watching to see if we obey and honor him. He is protecting us and strengthening us so that we might make it through this day, this hour, the next ten minutes. Though the virus spread to the lungs of many, though by its power we cough and wheeze, though we tremble at its swelling, we need not fear because God is with us and for us. You see, we need to have a clear understanding of the nature of his protection. He does not promise that we will be impervious from this virus. He does not promise that we will not get sick. He does not promise that we won't get hospitalized or be laid off. He promises to be our refuge and strength. It is a redefinition of security. Our security has never been that we will have the same job for decades and retire from the same place. Our security has never been that we'll have a pension that's secure or a 401k that cannot change. Our security is not in our standard of living or in our health. Our security is in the fact that God loves us and he will not let us go. And Christian, this doesn't mean we won't die. We will. We all will. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I hope people die in this pandemic. I don't. I'm praying that we see God move in our day and protect Center Church and protect you. But if I said that our security is primarily in this life, I would be leading you wrong. The security we have is an eternal security. When you're a Christian, God is your refuge and strength today, now. He is the way you experience peace, even in the midst of trouble and hardship, being laid off, getting sick, all the uncertainty. You want to see a picture of peace? The picture begins in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning. Now, the picture here is not Jerusalem. The city of God is not Jerusalem here. Jerusalem has never had a river running through it. Rather, the city of God is the people of God. And we see the people of God enjoying the peace of God. Why is that? Because God is in the midst of her. See that in verse 5? God is in the midst of her. Therefore, she will not be moved. Trouble blows away all of our illusions of control. We never had as much control as we thought. We make our plans, and most of the time we do what we want. But in times like this, we realize how little control we have. Our plans might be moved. Our health might be moved away. But our God, because our God is with us, we shall not be moved can't construct our own fortresses, we can't be our own strength, we can't manufacture our own peace but we have God and the city of God, the people of God enjoy peace from God because he is with us and for us. Our God, Christian, is both with us and for us no matter what natural disasters befall us. Now more frightening than natural upheaval is national upheaval and we see this And the second point, Almighty God is with us and for us, even in the throes of national upheaval. That's what's pictured beginning in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Here we are, we see war, and we see nations going back and forth against nation. One kingdom overwhelms another. They rage back and forth at each other and back and forth to God. We see, we've seen this in the history of mankind, one nation overwhelms another, one kingdom falls, another kingdom rises, power changes hand from one despot to another, a coup brings down one tyrant and replaces him with another, political parties point fingers at each other, China blames the United States, the United States blames China, and around and around we go. And in all of these geopolitical machinations, people are caught in the crossfire. So what does God do? What does God do as the nations rage? Does he form a peace treaty? Does he call a summit? Does he send out diplomats? No. Here's what he does. Look at what he does in verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Here's what he does. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. He makes wars cease, not through some kind of treaty, but by crushing war and all of its instruments. Verse eight, he come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Here's what he does. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Do you see, by his power, he crushes all the instruments of war. One day he will crush all the instruments of war. He will burn the tanks and guns. He will break and shatter the jets and drones. He will burn the bombs with fire. And he calls all the earth to watch and witness and be quiet and still. He says this in verse 10, Be still and I know that I am God. How will we know he is God? We will know he is God as we watch and see how he crushes evil, how he crushes war, how he crushes nations that rise up against other nations. And he raises himself up and says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. And he calls for us to be still and know this is what he's gonna do. This is not a picture of passivity. Nor is he marshalling an army. He's not asking us to enlist. He's asking us to watch and see what he's going to do. And that's what we ought to do today, Center Church. Watch and see. Let's see what God's going to do. This upheaval, this uncertainty that we're facing now, this isn't something anybody planned for. What is God doing? What might God be doing in our day? What might God be doing in your heart? Let's watch and see. As we watch and see, we know that the Lord of hosts, verse 11, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress, one day, He will bring desolations on earth. He will make all wars to cease. That's how he will express his power one day. But today he expresses his power a different way. By becoming and being our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. The coronavirus, it causes trouble. And it may be that social unrest will lead to more trouble in the days and weeks to come. I don't know, you don't know. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, but we do know this. The Almighty God is both with us and he is for us in the midst of natural and national upheaval. And lastly, we can say this, the Almighty God is with us and for us in the throes of our weakness and sin. The Almighty God is with us and for us in the throes of our weakness and sin. Now, why do I say that? Look at verse 7 and look at verse 11. They're exactly the same. Verse 7 The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's wonderful. When he says the Lord of hosts, that means he's the Lord of armies. It's not the Lord of hosts at a restaurant, but the Lord of armies. And he is the God of Jacob as our fortress. It is wonderful that he is the Lord of armies, but it's wondrous that he's the God of Jacob. Now if you look throughout the Old Testament, Almighty God is said to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of all those three, Jacob was the least impressive. He was a manipulative deceiver. His name means dissembler. And yet twice we read God identifying himself with Jacob. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This tells us that God associates with the unworthy. More than that, more than just associating with the unworthy, he says, he takes his name and attaches it to theirs and says, the God. this is the God of Jacob. Now, if he were looking to be impressive, he would say, this is the God of Messiah, but that's not what he does. Now, what does this tell us? God is a refuge and strength to those who don't deserve it. He's the kind of God that would welcome someone as rotten and as manipulative as Jacob to be one of his people. And it's a signal to us sinners. It's a signal to us who fall short of the glory of God. God freely associates with us, not because we are worthy, but because he is gracious. It can be tempting in these times of trouble to think thoughts like, well, I deserve this. I've made a ton of mistakes in the past. Well, now the Lord's getting me back. I'm going to lose my job. I'm probably going to get sick. I'm going to have all kinds of trouble. This is what I deserve. No, you don't. You deserve worse. You deserve worse, but we receive better because God associates with people like Jacob and me and you. God takes his name and connects it to us. You see, there is, in short, there is nothing that can disqualify us from God's protection if we are in. Christ. And that's the upshot. There is nothing that can disqualify you from the Almighty God's protection, from Him being with you and for you, even if you're a sinful, limited person, just like Jacob. And guess what? We all are. We all are. We don't have to be afraid today. Not because we know what's going to happen tomorrow, or because we know things are going to work out okay, or because the economy is going to bounce back, or because we know that we won't be infected or hospitalized, but because the Almighty God is with us and for us. And you might say, okay, is that all? Is that all we have? Just don't be afraid from Psalm 46? The answer to that is yes and no. Yes, this is what we have because we see this is what God's Word says in Psalm 46. But also, no, there is more. We have another reason to remember that Almighty God is both with us and for us. Something that David never did see, David saw from a distance. You see, we know of that one day outside Jerusalem when Almighty God was neither with Jesus nor for Jesus. Almighty God was not with His Son. Almighty God was not for His Son. Almighty God left His Son. Almighty God raged against His Son. Almighty God poured out His wrath upon His Son, so that we might be able to say with conviction, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble, because He was not Jesus' refuge. He was not Jesus' strength. He was not Jesus' help in that his moment of trouble, he was far away. And so when you hear fear growling at you and saying, you're gonna be alone, you deserve this, God doesn't care. You can speak back with greater confidence. I do not fear because God is with me. How do I know? He wasn't with Jesus. He took my place. God can't be anything but our refuge and our strength because he left his son to die and languish alone. He is my refuge, he is your refuge, he is my strength, he is your strength. God is with us and for us because he was not with Jesus and he was not for Jesus, he let him die. But as we know, the story didn't end there. And the greater reason we have for hope is that Jesus rose from the dead. And so now we see Jesus as the one who is with us and for us, working in us and through us. We see Jesus as the one who is the ultimate example of our refuge and our strength, our helper in times of trouble. We have Jesus now. So why do we not need to be afraid? We have Jesus. Why do we we have confidence in the face of uncertainty? Because we have our certain Savior. He is with us. He is for us. He will not lose us. May we not be afraid. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for all of us in these times. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to lose our way. Help us focus on you, Jesus, and I pray that in these days you would help our confidence to be not in our plans, not in the food that we have in our pantry, not in the money we have in our bank account, not in the jobs that we have, but in you, and help us to be a light both to each other and the watching world. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.